anyone who wants to breastfeed needs to be supported in doing so. And support comes from all places, not just the formal supports, it's like societally as well. And I just think it needs to be normalised a lot more. Hello and welcome to our HSE Talking Health and Wellbeing podcast. Today we're going to discuss breastfeeding and with me today is Helen, who's a mum who's currently breastfeeding her little girl, Ella. We have Alison, our public health nurse and lactation consultant. Alison is going to share her knowledge and experience with us how to support mothers through their breastfeeding journey. And then we've got Laura, who is the National Breastfeeding Coordinator. And Laura will let us know about what's happening nationwide and the work underway to try and promote breastfeeding in Ireland. As we know, breastfeeding is really good for mother and baby. Breastfed babies have a lower mortality rate. They've got increased protection against infectious diseases. And breastfeeding mothers are at lower risk of several cancers, anemia, diabetes and osteoporosis. The most recent statistics have shown us is that 63% of mothers initiate breastfeeding in Irish maternity hospitals and these figures have grown year on year. The figures do drop to about 45% after three months, but we're here today to show women and to tell women where to find support and how to continue breastfeeding for as long as they want. But Helen is going to talk to us today about how she started breastfeeding and why you did it and how did you prepare yourself for breastfeeding? I suppose my set of circumstances are a little bit unique. I was diagnosed with breast cancer in 2015 and I had no children at the time. So I didn't know whether cancer had, you know, taken away my chance at motherhood. Luckily for me, I had a really supportive oncologist. I approached her about, you know, conceiving. I was still on hormone treatment. I'd had surgery, chemo and radiotherapy. And she was very kind of proactive. She said, OK, well, now's the time. So I took a break from my hormone treatment to try to conceive. I thought that that hadn't worked. But when I was due to start back then, I found out I was pregnant. So it was really That's serendipitous. It was lovely. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So breastfeeding for me, I suppose, initially was this idea of kind of reclaiming something that had been taken away from me because so as breast cancer had provided this negative view or you know I kind of didn't trust my own body and breastfeeding has afforded me this newfound respect for my body knowing that I can provide for my baby so yeah I suppose I was very determined to to make it work so I proactively sought out support before Ella was born I did as many breastfeeding classes as I could and was it hard to find that support in the initial days I suppose it was unique as well because it was locked down. You know, we were going through the pandemic at the time. So you were there dealing was no, with a lot. Yeah, <laughs> there, there was nothing face to face. So everything yeah. was online. I suppose in some ways that meant that I could maybe access more, you know, because a lot of people were doing stuff online that normally possibly wouldn't have been doing previously. So I wasn't limited to what part of the country they were providing the classes in. And so that's one positive (laughs) to the situation. Yeah. Yeah. So they were easy to find, like, you know, the HSE. I I did. I gave birth to Ella in the National Maternity Hospital. So they provided a breastfeeding class as well as the antenatal class. So it was like a separate class. Yeah. I also did one with a private lactation consultant. I suppose I wanted as much knowledge and information as I could get. So you sought this information and when you did go looking, you could find it. I could it. find it. Yeah, yeah. And did you find those classes helpful? Did they, could, can anything really prepare you for breastfeeding? Like I've said this 
before. Yeah, I, I, I don't think anything like motherhood in general, I don't think any class or any book you read can fully prepare you for it. But knowledge is power. So if you have as much knowledge as you possibly can, that can only help, I suppose. Yeah. But until that baby arrives, <laughs> there's there's nothing that can fully prepare you, you know. And so when Ella did arrive, then what about the first couple of days and getting the baby to latch on and all yeah, that? Yeah, so like I said, my circumstances were quite unique. So I think they knew about me in the hospital already. Okay. So luckily for me, the lactation team within Hollis Street did come to my bedside while I was there to give me some extra support. Like the midwives and everyone I've said it, like angels on earth, they're amazing. But there can be like, you know, people give their own like little stories or yeah. little tips and they might not all be singing off the exact same hymn sheet, you know, and they're all amazing. And, and brilliant. that can be like, difficult, Helen. You it know, can it's be. It's not it's, consistent messaging. It's confusing and it's such a vulnerable time. You know, you're kind of, <laughs> especially, you know, I, everyone says it, you know, you leave the hospital with this and you're like, are they letting me leave with this? Baby? I don't <laughs> yeah. know what I'm doing. <laughs> So I was fortunate. I know I have friends who maybe wanted to see, like they're totally under-resourced. There aren't enough of them, you know, so yeah. they don't, they can't go around to every mother. But ideally, that would be the ideal scenario that if you want to leave with your baby and you want to continue breastfeeding, that even just to have that, even if things are seemingly going well, just to have that another little bit of support and so acknowledgement. somebody to call or somebody yeah. just to ask a few questions. Yes. And so when you left the hospital then, what was the next step for you then? Did you have anybody like that? Well, I had made contact with Alison, who is the uh, lactation consultant with HSC for North Wicklow, I think, is it? Or, well, yeah. <laughs> a few different areas. So I had made contact with her and she had told me to get in touch once Ella was born, which I did because... I went home, you know, because I only had I only had the use of one breast to, yeah. to breastfeed. So uh, I suppose I had an extra obstacle to overcome from from the get go. And it just felt. Yeah, it, it was it was really hard in those yeah. early days. And like I said, going home and feeling like, you know, you kind of have the safety net of the hospital. I, I remember I was probably one of the few mothers who was offered you know do you want to go home today I was like no I <laughs> can, I, can I stay yeah. an extra day please can I stay here forever <laughs> but, um, <laughs> so um yeah I went home and it just felt like I didn't have that safety net anymore but yeah and Alison you know I, I did contact her you know in the beginning it was quite painful and you know I we could do online consultations and thankfully then I was able to go down in person which helped because in in those early days I would I had no developmental checks for Ella. Yeah, so everything was online. Everything was, no was online, and there is nothing like that face to face. Of course. Yeah. Concept. So then, when you started, and Alison, you are a lactation consultant and a public health nurse, isn't that right? That's right. Yeah. So, what would be your main? Would you see mothers before they go into hospital to have their baby, or would you just see them when they come out? Yeah, we, we, we do um, antenatal consults with mums if they've maybe identified something themselves or with their midwives. So preferably that they'll come in, you know, and either talk to me over the phone or meet them in person beforehand. This has to be self-initiated, does it? Something might come up maybe with their GP okay. at their obstetric visits or with their midwife. And sometimes that's where the contact can be made then. If there was something in particular, maybe they've had a breast surgery or, you know, in, in Helen's case, it was important that she had linked actually with the lactation consultant 
consultant in the maternity hospital in advance. So if there's anything of concern or some, just something a mother is worrying about herself, yeah. because it does bring a lot of uh, a lot of anxiety and a lot of thoughts around, will I be able to breastfeed and will I produce enough milk for my baby? And is it going to be painful? You know, there's just, just lots yeah. of questions. That there's we lots can of misconceptions out there, aren't there, Alison? I mean, you hear this all the time, people saying, oh, I fed my four the bottle and they were fine and, you know, that baby's starving, just give them a bottle. How do people cope with that kind of, those kind of, that kind of commentary, maybe from their family even, from their family history? It it comes across in, in, from many different forums, you know, and I suppose the work that we do is, is a lot around normalising this is how we feed our babies, you know, and just helping them to realise the facts, you know, where's the evidence and, you know, helping them work through some of those things, maybe that they have been maybe discussed with a friend or maybe someone has told them in a maternity hospital or maybe their doctor has mentioned something. So we we talk about a lot of just what normal newborn behaviour is like, what yeah. breastfeeding is going to look like for, you know, for most mums and most babies. And we try to just navigate through it together, you know, that it can look very different from one mum to another. Each baby is, is unique. Each birth has been different. You know, there's so many things that can challenge mums in those early weeks. My role really is to support them through it, You're really empowering them with information. You know, these are the facts. This is what we know, you know, if you pump, you know, it can help increase your milk supply, you know, and sometimes mothers are just really confused when they when they come in contact with us in the community. So you can give them different options that we if do. they want to pump, if they want to solely breastfeed, Absolutely. if they want to give. So if they pump, then they can their partner or member of the family can feed the baby. So they there can. is options yes, for people. There is. I, I think, you know, mothers need to hear that it can look very different from one yeah. mum to another. And I think lots of mums will compare, won't they, with other their babies and other breastfeeding journeys and everyone loves to share their stories, you know, and and really I'm there to listen to them, to empower them, to encourage them and, and to say to them, look, you know, it doesn't have to be exclusive breastfeeding. And, and sometimes we talk through their other options, you know, yeah. and, and sometimes it might mean, you know, for, for people, we might discuss introducing formula if there is a place for it. And if it is needed, we'll talk about that. But it'll always be where we can colostrum first, you you know, breast milk first and donor milk if it's available, if they had a very premature baby and then, you know, formula milk if, yeah. if it's needed. So we listen to what what is it that mother wants. Yeah. And Alison, what are the type of things that people do come to you with? Maybe after four weeks and they're just saying, look, I'm exhausted. I have a toddler running around. I don't have the time. I'm just at the end of my tether. It's really common for mothers to feel overwhelmed and confused. Mm. And I always encourage them, just come into a group, come into us. Sometimes I might suggest we do a one-to-one, just a consult at the breastfeeding clinic. What's the group then? So our groups are a drop-in. They're running all around the country, actually. We have about 180 groups. All that information is on mychild.ie if anybody is looking for their own local support group. You don't have to have a problem to come. I had a mum recently and she just said to me, but I'm not really having any problems, Alison. And, and I said, you don't need to have a problem to come in. It's about meeting other mothers. It's having those conversations about realising that it's tough for a lot of mums in the, in the early weeks. You know, nobody finds that breastfeeding journey easy. And my, our role really is just to get them through the early weeks and help them realise it will get better. So I could imagine that those groups not only did they not only discuss breastfeeding, but there's probably loads of other 
areas that they discussed Helen? <laughs> which is fantastic because it's such support I mean yeah. it's not just about breastfeeding or it's not just about the woman whose breastfeeding is going really yeah. well and oh I'm so smug I'm I'm doing really really well but they can yeah. then oh, I guess well, show other mothers that it can work and keep at, try and keep at it well definitely and I've said this before so Alison when Ella was I think Ella was five months old by the time face-to-face groups started back up and thankfully at that point I'd harassed Alison enough that I was probably <laughs> she was all 10 of my speed dials so <laughs> she um, invited me along to the first face-to-face group and of course I jumped at the chance yeah. to see humans and I went along now most of the other women there had like five six week old very new babies whereas Ella was on the older side but it's I'm still friends with all the girls now we're really close thanks to Alison it was a different scenario at the time because you know she, I think only 10 of us could be there at a time and you know the, the class was full you had to like turn mothers we away did. Yeah. It, it, it was it felt you know so wrong sometimes to be able to say that the program is full I'm really sorry mm. but it was a different time I suppose we were we were checking temperatures we were wearing yeah. masks we were just so keen to get mums back together yeah. they were so lonely and that just missing it. that contact with other mothers yeah. and the, our groups now look very different you know Helen's was very much a controlled it was almost it was a pilot really program that, that I ran mm-hmm. after Covid we just couldn't wait to get them back together and there yeah. was something that came, comes out regularly with evaluations mothers yeah. together in rooms they want to see the other babies yeah. they want their babies to see other babies and they want to hear what other mothers journeys stories. So the learning must be absolutely fantastic and the support that mothers can get from each other and from you obviously facilitating the group. And Helen, when you were in that group and your baby was five months, you must have been the expert. <laughs> but they thought I was. I was not. I you, was were. you were. I'm sure you no, were. No, it was nice because I think there's nothing like being with a group of mothers who are going through stuff at similar enough time to you, you know, because friends and your own mother they forget, like you know. Yeah. That's, I think that's the beauty. Mother Nature plays this trick that you forget. People have other more babies, yeah. but um, yeah. So I suppose I was a little bit ahead. So when it came to like you know starting solids, they'd be like, "Helen, tell us, you know, How's it going? <laughs> yeah, what's happening." Yeah, I was yeah. able to say, oh, "Don't worry, girls, I've got this. You know, I'll, yeah. I'll do it first and let you know how it goes." But yeah, it was it was lovely. Yeah, it yeah. was nice to have that. And then all the different discussions. I always think between well between women in general, but definitely when you're I mean, there's there's no barriers to those discussions. And then for people to know that it's okay to be exhausted, to have a bad day, to be to have a day that you can't stop crying or a day that you just not feeling great but then to have that group to go to is fantastic support and there's about a hundred what did you say we have about 180 that would be HSE groups now we also are we have Quidju and La Leche League as well and uh, Friends of Breastfeeding so there are other groups you know and some of them are still online as well so there's loads of options there and they all follow the same guidelines and consistent messaging would they for the most part Alison absolutely yeah a lot of our well certainly our public health nurses our lactation consultants the Quidgy volunteers and Electrally volunteers, we're often all at the same education and, and training days. So it's a really high standard. Yeah. Um, we're really, you know, we really value that the information that they're being given is is all the true facts, you know. Because I always think with, well, pregnancy and breastfeeding or many experiences that we have, everybody has their opinion and it's the inconsistency of the messaging 
for that mothers hear through their family or their friends or everybody else's experience. And sometimes they wonder how they can actually survive through all of that noise of all the everybody telling them what to do differently. So it's great to have that support that everybody is singing out the same hymn sheet, Alison, you know. Yeah, that, that's been a challenge for us, certainly in, in Ireland, that, that we have parents telling mothers telling us they're feeling confused and they're feeling overwhelmed with different, you know, advice. And look, Google is wonderful, you know, source of information, of course, but yeah. there's a million different answers, isn't there? So, you know, we would be saying to, to mothers, you know, to to reach out, to have a look at the HSE, mychild.ie, have a look at the website. A lot of, you know, work has gone into that and about, you know, getting the evidence, you know, and looking at, you know, the studies, but what, what, what does work and what doesn't work. Yeah, um, I always think for mothers who they try and breastfeed and it doesn't work for them. And I'm sure you've met mothers and friends, Helen, that it just hasn't worked. And the guilt that they feel is awful. And it's I'm sure that's hard to deal with as well, Alison, for them. It is. It is. A lot of my work is is listening to mum's stories um, and around and births, actually. can It starts there when we start delving and doing history taking. And, you know, yeah. and I one of my questions that we regularly ask is, tell me about your birth. How was your birth? And it just, you know, when I see mums, they're, they're so fragile, you know, they're very emotional. They're often in pain, you know, and they're not taking in a huge amount of information. So sometimes the first time, you know, I meet them, they're just really pouring their heart out and telling me all their, you know, their their story. So we ha- we sometimes have to meet a number of times with with mums before we can really delve into the 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 nitty gritty of of what it is that's that's going on and and observing a breastfeed is very much a part of that process. You know, yeah. taking their history. You know. Has this baby, you know, been born by cesarean? Have they had a Vantus or, you know, a a Kiwi delivery? And it's together, I suppose, with those these mothers that we can sometimes come up with plans about what it is they want to do. And sometimes breastfeeding doesn't always look how they thought it was going to look, you know, so their expectation can be quite different, maybe antenatally, you know, before they've had their baby and what they're faced with now, maybe after a very challenging birth. So a lot of the work I do, it's, it's, you know, we'd often say it's okay if it's not exclusive breastfeeding. You know, we're, we're really not trying to, you know, it's not the only way to feed your baby. You can pump, you can give some um, express bottles. Um, We can use cups, we can use syringes, we can use teaspoons, you know, there's so many other ways we can give breast milk to our babies. And what about breastfeeding in public, Helen? I mean, I know that you're breastfeeding your baby. Yeah. And you've gone back to work. But what about breastfeeding in public? Is it difficult? Do you need a lot of confidence for it? Or Um, is it public perception? Do people look at you funny or? Yeah, I suppose there is always that fear. And it's not even around like shame or embarrassment. It's about maybe thinking you're making someone else feel uncomfortable, you know, and it's it. I know we shouldn't. I know don't use the word shouldn't. We shouldn't feel that way. But, it, you yeah. know, it's just society and the way it's built, I suppose. And for me, I suppose one benefit of lockdown was that I was able to just cocoon at home and have my <laughs> boobs out the whole time and not worry about any I visitors know. or anything, you know, because that would have added another maybe bit of pressure, you know, feeling like maybe I should go into the other room to feed her. And at the time, it just felt like she was feeding round the clock. So that wouldn't have really been an option. Now, as she got older then, you know, by the time things were back up and running, I, I suppose I had more confidence yeah. with the breastfeeding. So you were really well established. Yeah, that was once it. Once you went out Yeah, and I, I, yeah. I didn't 
care, really, you know, yeah. and I'm <laughs> I'm lucky not to have very large boobs. I know I have friends who have bigger boobs and they were a lot more self-conscious about yeah. feeding in public, whereas for me, some people would come up and like pet her head and I'd be like, oh, she's just having a feed. They wouldn't even know she was yeah. feeding at the yeah. time, you know, and then well, they'd you be had so- you yeah. had it all sorted, so yes. you could do it so discreetly. Yes. Yeah. I mean, it is... You know, it's, it is awful to think that we have to do it so discreetly or no, cover the baby's yeah. head up or, or oh, something no. like that, yeah. which no, I, is I, difficult, you yes, know. Yeah. And I think now when you look around and you walk down any street and you think people have got such body confidence and yeah. people do have their boobs exposed in many ways. And then all of a sudden it comes to breastfeeding and they're afraid to breastfeed the baby. And it's yeah. kind of like such a contradiction. I sp- yeah, it's you know, it, rather than having the confidence and being proud about it, you know. Yeah, yeah. I suppose there is that worry of like other people's reactions and what that might be now I've never encountered any negative reactions if anything it's been the opposite and people kind of saying you know well done and fair play to you're doing a great thing for your baby but like it's and those are the little words of encouragement and things that people need to hear mothers need to hear and just getting back to what Alison was saying about supporting mothers in like any way they want to feed their babies and that's really like Alison is a therapist as well. <laughs> I think I'll go and visit you, Alison. I'm finished with my breastfeeding days, but <laughs> I think I might welcome. just come and visit anyway. <laughs> many strings to her mouth. She's amazing. But anyway, so at one point, I think Ella was maybe about four months and we did have to supplement with a bit of formula. And at the time, you know, I felt like I had failed in some way, you know, and especially for me, because breastfeeding was such like before Ella was born, I just thought, well, I want to. So therefore I'll be able to, you know, yeah, it's fine. Course. I didn't yeah. realise how different it would look then once baby came along. And I felt, yeah, I felt like I'd failed, you know, and I know now that was not the case. They needed to do it for maybe, I think it was only six weeks in total. You know, at the time when you're in those phases, it just feels like it's never going to end, you know, that this this is it forever. And then, you know, I look back at it now and it's like, oh, that was only a few weeks. That's amazing. So, Alison, even if somebody has to give the baby some formula for a while, do they pump while they're doing that can they go back to breastfeed and I didn't actually realise that they can go back to breastfeeding again they can again. do whatever they choose I think yeah. that's really what it's all about it's whatever sometimes that mother you know chooses to do and how she wants to feed her baby sometimes like in Helen's situation we there, I suppose we had a lower milk supply until just to get her over that cusp of you know ready for solid foods kind of around the six month time so sometimes there is a place for formula and that's okay you yeah, know because you do often and again I know it's one of these things that people say and we're not supposed to be using these as examples but people do often say oh well I just didn't have enough milk or she just didn't have enough milk and maybe in that case those cases if people could give a little bit of formula then yeah. it would get them over it's, that. It's not the first line of you know advice that we would yeah. be giving you know and sometimes we, we would say well sit in with a lactation consultant and let her see a feed and how is yeah. your baby growing you know there's a whole combination of things together and, and sometimes it can come down to what well, how are you feeling about breastfeeding? Yeah. You know, that um, a mum at one of our groups during the week, she said, I felt chained to the couch, you know. Yeah. And she doesn't feel like that now, but she did in the early weeks, you know. So, so you could you just give her, uh, like, really, I wish I had known you. Uh, but, <laughs> it's <laughs> then. But you just give her that confidence, just come we on, do. just go for another day, just yeah. try it. We very much yeah. do. And, and however long she wants to give breast milk yeah. is a benefit to her baby. And that's really the message. Every drop counts, you yeah. know. And and a lot of our mums will sometimes be doing combination feeding. They might be introducing some formula and, and it's OK. We want them to know, 
it's okay. It can look very different from one mum to another. And if it helps you continue giving breast milk for a longer period of time to reach your own goal, then that's really good. And Helen, you've gone back to work. How did you find that going back to work and being able to continue breastfeeding? I know the laws have changed. Yeah, so the legislation now is to two years. But when I went back, it was only up to six months. And I went back. Ella's not really a baby anymore. She's almost like over two and a half now. But I went back to work when she was just... 12 months. Right. Now I'm very fortunate that I have a really supportive workplace and they made a room available to me that I could pump in. I actually did a, a class online as well about going back to work while breastfeeding. I think you, could, I think you, you should be doing this podcast actually. <laughs> I think you know more about it than, than any of us here together. But You're I, going to be the poster girl for breastfeeding. Oh please, I'd love to be. Um, but yeah, so I kind of, you know, had as much knowledge as I could and in, in the class they kind of assured me because she was over the 12 she was over I think 10 months so she I probably might not even need to pump in work but I was a bit I suppose I was worried about a supply of having course. only one breast yes. so I kind of wanted to maintain that supply now I didn't need to keep it up for as long as I thought I would but work were very supportive of that and they so, so what would it look like at work so you would go if you felt like you needed to pump you had a room you could go to yes. you could pump and then you put the, the there was a fridge there in the fridge mm-hmm. and then you can transport that home yes and yeah fantastic and so it's I just that facility that's what the law is about is it um I'm to be honest I'm not an expert on that it's it's to allow mothers who choose to continue breastfeeding and, and return to work so the policies do, do d- change depends on your workplace so I would okay. always say speak to your manager have a look and see if there is a policy if there isn't there is protection now you know in, in legislation for mothers so, so no matter where you work yes you can yes. choose to but sometimes we need to arm mothers with people. the information and we say, need to empower them we do. and that seems to be a big yes. word actually yeah. and that they know that you know I'm coming back to work and how are you going to facilitate me obviously it depends on their workplace as well. So what the policy is around 60 minutes and it, this is in addition to their break, so their coffee break or their lunch break. That can look like one 60 minute break, it can look two 30 minutes, three 20 minute breaks or if there is no facility available or there isn't anywhere for them to go, they may, depending on their workplace or their manager, finish an hour before the end of their, their normal working day without any pay reduction. So it's it's to allow them to continue giving, you know, keep up their milk supply and continue giving breast milk. And that's up until what age? Two years. Two years. Some workplaces may allow that to continue on, you know, and it's it's bringing mothers back with the continuation of of giving their baby um, breast milk. It's just um, it's just what we need and it's what our babies deserve. So, Alison, we've been talking about mothers, but obviously mothers need support, not just from the lactation consultant. So it could be their family, their partner. And how do they play? What role do they play in it? Well, we know from the evidence it's, you know, a mother's uh, support uh, in in the home amongst her friends, her her mother, her partner are are essential, really. She can't do this alone. She needs the network around her. And and the evidence would say that when when partners come up with those breastfeeding solutions sometimes, so we, we know they can't they can't breastfeed for the mother, but there's a ton of other things that they can do and that 
comes in all sorts of it, it's whatever the mother needs, really. And that can be, you know, filling the fridge, cooking a meal, coming up with the breastfeeding solutions around. Maybe they need to have a little bit more, a bit more rest. Maybe dad will, you know, once baby's fed, maybe dad or her, or her partner might take the baby out in the baby sling or out in the pram and, you know, nap for 20 minutes, half an hour can really ch- recharge the batteries. But when mothers feel supported at home, it, it, it can be from partners or, or grannies with those breastfeeding answers and solutions or reaching out sometimes to say to them, you know, why don't you contact your public health nurse if you're finding it hard? Let's see, do we need to get a pump? Like, do we need to give, you know, express some milk and, and allow you to rest or, or recover from, from birth sometimes? And if they do express the milk, then the dad or the partner they can. then can feed the baby. Yes, and yeah. lots of our mothers are, are opting to do that now. And sometimes it is including fathers as well or including partners and they want to do it. They want to help. They can see sometimes when, you know, when the tiredness is, is becoming a little overwhelming and and it's by getting that wraparound support, it helps them to continue to feed and continue giving breast milk for as long as they, they choose to do that. So absolutely, we, we would have mums now who are parenting alone and grannies in support them as well. So we sometimes have grandmothers coming to our, our groups and sometimes partners will join as well because they just they want to learn how they can help their, their babies continue getting breast milk and how they can support their partner. They're essential. The, 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 the cheerleading team behind it all. Yeah, absolutely. Look, I've, I feel like we've been neglecting Laura here, who is our national lead for breastfeeding in Ireland. And Laura, this, we've been, uh, you've been listening to us here in all the different conversations that we've been having. And I know that this is breastfeeding week, but obviously every week is breastfeeding week. And this is just an opportunity for us to try and promote breastfeeding throughout the country. So I suppose I just wanted to ask you, like, what are we doing in the HSE or in the country to try and promote breastfeeding. And I know our numbers are going up, but we'd like them to go higher and we'd like to see more consistency with it. And I know that you're very clear about wanting to have consistent messaging Messaging, as well. So do you want to just give us a little bit of a rundown of what's happening, first of all, in the country? Before I do, I suppose I'm just conscious of people listening today that not everyone has breastfed in the past. And I think conversations around how we feed our babies are very triggering for people. And um, because I suppose everyone wants to do their best for their baby. And certainly there's a lot of people that try breastfeeding in the past. It hasn't worked out for them or maybe they've chosen not to breastfeed. So this isn't about, I suppose, kind of, you know, blaming mothers around not feeding and we're here, I suppose, really to kind of encourage, empower and let people know about the supports that's available. I think as Alison has shown that there's a lot of care for all mothers, no matter what method of feeding that they choose. Obviously, we know the you know the longer you breastfeed and the more exclusively you breastfeed, the greater the benefits for mothers and babies. But it can look very different. And I suppose really kind of what we are about in terms of infant feeding is right trying to promote consistent messaging and really that evidence based practice because it's not it hasn't been consistent everywhere in the past. But I suppose what we are now really trying to make sure we have equitable access to. Um, midwives, public health nurses and lactation consultants all around the country. So, so when you say equitable, equitable access. access, what does that yeah, mean? Yeah, so OK, five years ago, we had maybe about the 20 people working in lactation roles across the HSC between our hospitals and maternity services. Okay. Now we have 55. Oh, wow, so that's fantastic. what that looks like is that every maternity hospital has at least one lactation consultant and the larger units have more proportionate to the birth rates and every public health nursing service, such as like where Alison works, they 
at least have a half time post within our 32 public health nursing areas. So I suppose the first time we can be really confident that um, our midwives and our public health nurses have someone that they can go to, you know, to get some expert advice if they need to in their workplace. Plus also mothers have an opportunity to see people on a one to one basis or, you know, Alison talked about running her group. One of the key roles of, of our lactation consultants is support the development of groups all around and clinics all around the country because we know from the evidence that once mothers have a a place they can go to every week it's predictable it's routine actually the hybrid model works works really well that mothers do better and they have a much more positive experience around breastfeeding. And they can breastfeed for longer probably with that They can support. breastfeed for longer yeah and that's what all the evidence is backed up from that and I suppose really what we're about is improving mother's experience of care and that's to do with any methods of feeding so kind of having good support for mothers available antenatally in terms of breastfeeding education, one-to-one support because you know a lot of mothers are breastfeeding now, have very little experience in their families you know or within their friends haven't fed so they really do value that expert on the team or kind of someone that they they can talk to. Our midwives and our public health nurses are trained to support breastfeeding. So while Alison's roles are great and they're absolutely needed, we really want to promote that our midwives and our public health nurses are the backbone along with our volunteer breastfeeding agencies. And supposing there's midwives or public health nurses out there, where could they upskill themselves? Where yeah, would they go they, to? Yeah, so we have three, we've three breastfeeding e-learning modules and one formerly feeding module on HSC land. They were there since 2018. They were updated last year. So there's about four and a half hours of very up-to-date evidence-based content that's readily available for everyone. We are rolling out a skills-based programme as well for all our midwives and public health nurses because mothers have told us that they need some more consistent support around supporting evidence-based skin-to-skin contact, good help with around correct positioning their baby and latching their baby and around hand expressing you know skills. So our focus of our skills-based education for midwives and public health nurses to keep them up-to-date with emerging evidence is on those three skills so that will be rolled out um, And I love the way you said our mothers have told us so obviously you're taking you're doing research you're listening to your mothers you're seeing what they need and you're trying to then develop services to to help them as much as possible. Yeah, we're absolutely, like, the mother's voice is at the centre of all of this. We know services haven't been the best, you know, um, in the past and we're really trying to make sure that the service provided to them is as high quality as possible and that's where I suppose there's significant investment in the training and the lactation posts and also our campaign. Like everyone is on their phones now. We really go to our phones for any source of information advice. So there's a whole background team working on social content, website content, written publications, so that at least that when mothers are getting HSC and for, are getting information from the HSC from the different sources, it's it's consistent across all the various platforms mm. because as Alison said, you know, it's a minefield once you turn on your phone, you go looking for information but there's a lot of resources being put behind and kind of these, some very popular kind of content and pages about how we sell our content. And so you what, work, even though they're not HSC, but Lilesh League and people like that are still, you're working with them as well on the same type of message messaging friends breastfeeding are the backbone of community support along with their and they have been for a number of years the HC provide grant funding to the agencies to make sure that they are able to provide training for their trainee counselors and their and their leaders and that's something that we are delighted to partner um partner with I think 
think uh, we might have a candidate to be a breastfeeding trainer here in Helen. Do you think we can get her? <laughs> can we get Helen in all that? Well, look at Helen, obviously, is a very special, unique and very capable lady. And I think it's all about women supporting women. Yeah. Um, you know, and I think in, a, I suppose in the health service as well, where it's going to predominantly women, you know, working there in terms of our roles, in terms of supporting them directly. Plus also people work in the health services. You may not be working, people listening today may not be working directly with mothers and babies, but you can certainly help to support breastfeeding you know, in the HSC and throughout your work. Like we talked about the breastfeeding policy there or if you're a nurse and a doctor maybe working in a general hospital or that and you happen to come across a mum with a baby seeing how we can facilitate mothers and babies maybe to stay together during their hospital stay maybe they could be going in for surgery to make sure that you know mothers are not told to stop breastfeeding yes. you know that they could be yeah. facilitated rooming in flexible visiting hours there's a lot of kind of sometimes some advice around medications like to kind of really Equip yourself on breastfeeding okay. information, but at a minimum, know where where to go for support in your area. So no matter where you are in the country, there are people who can support breastfeeding. Okay. So if you do nothing else, do no harm and don't give any misinformation, but just know where to signpost people to within your area. And so if we signpost those people to me. We post signposts into my child, and every yeah. county has a drop down, you know, um, a breastfeeding support group finder. We've also a very popular online breastfeeding support service. Yeah, I saw that. I couldn't believe it. So it's like a live chat. A live chat, yeah. 10 to 3, Monday to Friday, you can talk to someone like Alison, kind of st- staffed by um, International Board Certified Lactation Consultants. It's a seven day a week service. So the email service is actually very, very popular. So people email their queries, and that's anything from early days to going back to work or any kind of a query at all. Plus, also healthcare professionals kind of yeah. e- you know email in a query as well. We answer about four thousand of those queries every year. If you send in a query, you'll get you'll get a reply within twenty four hours. But the obviously kind of very popular live chat aspect of that, and a lot of people who use that service go back a number of times and then yes. they meet the same staff. And there's a very it's very popular. We get very good feedback. So are we promoting that this week as well? For yeah, what the, what's the theme of the breastfeeding week this year? So we're kind of emphasizing about the the, the supports available in the community and in the workplaces. And really, I suppose, kind of, as you said, breastfeeding week is every week. We learn to let people know that there is help out there and don't hesitate to seek it out. Um, you know, it's very high quality and we would encourage mothers particularly to try and seek out support when they're pregnant to make it a little bit easier and less daunting than yeah. coming after the baby's born. Yeah. So the words that are uh, I've written down here is consistent messaging and empowering. And I think you started off with empowering, Helen. So I think that We've talked around a lot of things. I'm sure there's lots more that we could talk about. We probably could have a couple of podcasts on the whole breastfeeding. Um, It's definitely with different experiences that you've had, Helen, Mm -hmm. as well. But I just thought if there was tips or tricks that you'd like to talk to mothers or expectant mothers, what would you say to them? Um, Well, I feel I'm quite passionate now about breastfeeding. I never thought it would be. I had this like arbitrary milestone in my head of six months and I've far (laughs) exceeded that. I suppose if I, I wish I... hope you're proud of that. I I hope you're not very proud of that. No, no, I am. I am. And like I said, I I totally agree with Laura about, you know, it being triggering about, you know, the way people feed and some people get defensive. And I'm not saying that like, you know, it's mutually exclusive, like just because I breastfeed, I'm I'm a better mother or anything. That's not the case. All mothers are amazing. And since becoming one, I've realised that, <laughs> you know, women really Can you the world, tell my children? <laughs> 
Just tell my I'll give you their numbers. Okay, Noreen's children. <laughs> if you're listening. Um, no. um, but yeah, so I, I just feel like, you know, it's it's okay to celebrate your own little milestones. And I'm not saying it's like if someone does a good deed, we're not saying that people who do, haven't done that good deed are terrible people. It's just celebrating that thing, you know, Absolutely. I suppose that's the comparison I try to use. But yeah, so I wish I had known beforehand that like for me initially it was just about nutrition. I thought it was feeding my baby, but it's just so much more than that. And I've I've used this term before. It's it's, it's become my parenting superpower. You know, it's it honestly breastfeeding has answered 99% of all ills in my That's I honestly amazing. don't know how to parent without it at this point I'm like if she weans I'll be like oh god I lost <laughs> what are you my, going to do now I'm Samson with my hair chopped off you know I just yeah, don't yeah. know how to yeah it's just it's given me so many amazing memories I've I've loved it like don't get me wrong it's been tough it's been I think it's like exhausting relentless overwhelming and beautiful all at once like yeah. I, you know I, I I love it I'm I'm passionate about it I think anyone who wants to breastfeed I think that might be an issue that like anyone who wants to breastfeed needs to be supported in doing so and support comes from all places not just the formal supports it's like societally as well and that's another thing extended breastfeeding I'm still breastfeeding and Ella's almost three you know and that looks a lot different and I, I get you know looks of disbelief like you're you're still breastfeeding and I just think it needs to be normalized a lot more Absolutely. and like we spoke about breastfeeding in public I think the more it's normalized yes. the less of a I, I think we were all brought up in a society that like formula was the norm the and yeah. it's now maybe the tide is turning a little bit and that's a great thing and the more friends and the more you know people kind of normalize it yeah the more absolutely. people who might be encouraged to breastfeed or to seek out the the supports that are there you know that and yeah. hopefully with the number of lactation consultants that have been increased mm -hmm. the number of groups around the country the amount of support that's there yeah. is really incredible and oh, that, yeah. that will really just encourage people who are even thinking about it yes just try it look get the information, empower yourself with the information, then make your own decisions. Yeah, yeah. And on a hard yeah. day, don't like try not to just throw in the towel on because yeah. there will be hard days, you know, and like you spoke about Quidio, like a friend of mine's sister is a breastfeeding counsellor and she was amazing for those out of hours little calls that I might have needed to make, voice notes, everything. And she definitely, you know, along with Alison, can't speak highly enough of her, but like I definitely wouldn't still be breastfeeding now if it weren't for those. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. Well, Helen, I think you've got an exceptional story and I think your story in itself <laughs> is amazing. Never yeah. mind that you're still, be, I shouldn't say still, but never mind <laughs> no, that you're yeah. breastfeeding. I am still. You're uh, still <laughs> breastfeeding your, your little Ella. Yeah. Um, but thank you so much, ladies, for joining me today. I think there's a lot more to be discussed about breastfeeding. I think it's I've been empowered by even listening to you. And thank you very much to the listeners for joining us on HSE Talking Health and Wellbeing. If you would like to share our podcast with any of your family, friends or colleagues, please do so. And we'll talk to you soon again. Thank you.